Well, when I was a younger kid, uh, well, I say younger kid like I'm still in the kid category in any way, but we'll just go with it. When I was a younger kid, um, I faced a challenge that uh, many of you have faced. Well, I'll say everyone has faced in one way or another, um, and that is that uh, I was in elementary school and I got this really cool gift from my parents, and it was uh, my first, you know, pump BB gun. And uh, some of you heard this story before, but I'm going to tell it again. And uh, so I got this BB gun, unboxed it, and was excited to go out and start, you know, shooting at things. And, uh, well, my dad wanted to take me out, and and my dad's like a a super safety guy. Uh, And so, which bothered me as a kid, but also as a college student and as a student learning to drive and all the way around. I was like, okay, Dad, let's just get on with it already, you know. Uh, Which that's kind of like par for the course when your parents are trying to teach you something like that. So... We are out in the back, and my dad's going through all the, you know, the stuff with me, and um, just making sure that I know, don't ever point this at any person ever, don't ever point this at any vehicle ever, and as soon as you squeeze that trigger, even though it's just a BB gun, as soon as you squeeze that trigger, you're responsible for what comes out of that barrel until it stops moving. So if something happens and it was just an accident, you're responsible for it. He made me say it all back to him, right? Same kind of thing I do to my kids. And they're like, dad, seriously. And so, but hey, that's uh, how you make sure that you know that they heard what you said. Whether or not they take it to heart, well, that's another conversation all together. But that's true for us as adults today as well, even in our relationship with the Lord. So uh, I need to tell you about an incident, and I need to tell you about the Holy Spirit, and I need to tell you about a challenge that I had. So an incident. I was at a friend's house. And, um, and he had his BB gun and, and I had my BB gun. And so we were aiming, he had this, this, these woods kind of around his house. And so we were aiming at trees and, you know, paper plates and different things like that. And then, uh, we slung him over our shoulders and we climbed up into this tree and then we thought we'd, you know, aim at other things with a different vantage point. And so we were doing that. And, and then I saw this, um, let's see, what was that thing? My dad told me never to point at a vehicle with some really big tires. And I was thinking like, oh, those would be so cool to hit. And they're huge. Like, how can you miss them? Um, and, uh, but I didn't know anything about, uh, about how sometimes babies come out and they can curve some and all that kind of stuff. You know, so anyway, so, or just bad aim. So I aimed at that, uh, that big tire and uh, breathed out like I'm a sniper or something, right? Squeezed the trigger and out came that BB. And then I heard the coolest sound ever. (laughs) Took out the back windshield. That's right. Exactly right. So, thankfully, from my sinful vantage point... uh, Oh, wait, 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 I forgot. I was just getting into the story too much. I meant to tell you. uh, I said I was going to tell you about the incident, and then I was going to tell you about the Holy Spirit. So, as I'm up in this tree, I was uh, eight or nine years old. I had trusted Christ for my salvation, so I was a believer, and I had the Holy Spirit indwelling me. And as I was thinking about what I was getting ready to do, I felt this conviction, right, at that moment. And I knew my dad's voice and his instruction to me was clear as day in my mind and heart. And the Holy Spirit, like, leaning on me, like, I don't think you want to be doing this, or, you know, something like that. And you know what I did? I ignored the Holy Spirit. I, I, I suppressed. That means when something is like coming up, you, 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 you literally you push it back down. I suppressed 
what the Holy Spirit was telling me in that moment. I ignored and I disobeyed not only my dad, but I disobeyed the Lord. And uh, so then I went, I went home. I had the opportunity to do the right thing and go over and knock on their door and apologize. I didn't choose to do that. No, nope. I chose to hide it. And so I went home and uh, he went to his house. And, and later on that afternoon, I went to my house and the neighbors didn't know about this yet. And so then I was home later on and one thing leads to another. My dad asked me about it. I lied about it. It was not a good situation. Didn't end, it didn't start or end well for me, right? Uh, but that's the challenge. And I will tell you, every one of us in this room deals with a challenge very similar to that. I don't care if you're four years old or 40 years old or 70 years old or older than that, anywhere in between. At times, the Holy Spirit will, will impress on your heart what is right and what is wrong. And in those moments, we choose to surrender and obey the Lord. To surrender is to say, I don't want to pursue or I'm not going to pursue my will. I'm going to pursue what I know is right before the Lord. That's essentially what surrendering is. And so we have the opportunity to surrender and say, okay, Lord, I'm going to obey you in this. And many times we don't do that. Well, Paul has something to say about this. The Apostle Paul, he's writing to this church in Ephesus, which today would be modern-day Turkey, kind of where that's located, uh, on the western side there. But he's writing this letter. And, and when they wrote letters, we think of these letters often as, you know, these books of the Bible we refer to them, open to the book of Ephesians, right? Or open to the book of Matthew. Well, some of them are called... Um, epistles or letters. In other words, if I if we didn't have modern technology or God's word in this printed form, the apostles were writing letters to pastor the these churches from a distance. Um, and so some of these churches, these churches had elders that were a part of them. So Paul was sort of like a pastor to pastors, if you will. And so he's writing this letter. And what they would do is they would take this letter and when they would meet weekly, they would open this letter and then they would read it together as a church to everyone uh, in their hearing. And so here, the Apostle Paul is addressing children. In Ephesians 6, 1 through 3, he's addressing children. And so that means as he's speaking and often speaking to adults, and he had just read last week, you indulged me and I, I, I gave a summary of the book of Ephesians uh, in a very high-level paraphrased form. And so when they would have gotten to this portion of the letter, he would have been focusing in on, on children and trying to get the attention of children saying, hey, kids, listen, I want to tell you something. Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother. This is the first command with a promise that it may go well with you and that you might live long in the land. He says the same kind of thing to the church in Colossae. He says, children, obey your parents in everything for this pleases the Lord. In other words, when God tells us something, it's always right because it's coming from God. And God is never wrong. He never misunderstands a situation. He never misunderstands what you're able to do with his help. Whatever he tells you is right. Now I want to just pause for a minute. 
I want to ask everyone in this room, adults and children alike, is there something that the Lord is telling you or has told you through his word? We're not really going after like, I feel like, you know, inside me, I feel like God is telling me, you know, there are times that the Lord puts things on our heart to pray for someone or to go talk to someone. That's true. But let's focus mainly on what God tells us in black and white in the pages of the Bible. We say, is there something that God has told me to do? I know it's right because it came from my Father in heaven. And maybe God doesn't make us repeat it back to him in the same way that my father did when he gave me this BB gun, but I know it's right. We also can't choose to to decide and to say, I never knew I wasn't supposed to do that. You remember when you get your driver's license? Some of you won't remember this far back, but some of you will. When you go to get your driver's license, uh, there are there are general rules of the road. If there's no speed limit sign, there's a general state cap on that road. And so you know, oh, there's no speed limit sign here. It must be like over in Germany. No, 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 there's a speed limit. And it's our job to know what that speed limit is. And so if an officer comes up and, I mean, I've heard people hypothetically tell me about this, but if an officer comes up to your window and and says, do you know how fast you were going? Well, yeah, but there's no speed limit anywhere here. He's not going to say like, oh, hey, have a great time, right? No. Similarly, God has, God has impressed his law upon our heart, and it's our responsibility as his created people to know him through his word, to believe what he says, which is called faith, and to obey him. And so as we learn to do that, Paul's message is this. Children, to enjoy God's blessing, surrender to Christ to obey your parents. Children, to enjoy God's blessing, which is part of the motive. To enjoy God's blessing, surrender to Christ to obey your parents. Kids, that's as simple as When your mom and dad say, clean up your room, what do you do? You surrender, right? Have you ever seen uh, anybody talking about war and there's a war going on and one side says, we're going to lose this battle. If I keep going this way, if we keep going this way, they have more manpower, they have more ammunition, and we're going to lose this battle. And so they would hang, they they would post a white flag. It's like running around with the white flag and saying, Lord, I surrender, I don't want to clean my room, but I surrender because I know it's right. I think my mom should think my room is clean enough, but apparently she doesn't. So I surrender. I raise my white flag, God. Whether you're four, 14, or 40, or more, this still applies to you, especially when we carry it to our relationship with the Lord. But most immediately... Let's just talk teenagers and younger, because that's who Paul's talking here. And so he's saying, raise that white flag, surrender to the Lord. Now you might say, well, hang on, Pastor Matt, I thought he was saying to surrender to your parents. Well, here's the thing. In order to obey your parents with the right attitude and the right heart, you have to surrender to the Lord first, right? Does that mean you can't obey your parents if you're not a Christian? Well, no, God gives us 
things that parts of his character that he shares with us, right? It's common to everybody in some way. But ultimately what he's getting at is raise the white flag and surrender. You say, well, where do you get that from? Well, we get that from chapters one through five, right? Chapters one through five. He's talked about walking in love. Walking is just another way of saying living. So here he says, children, obey your parents in the Lord. Obey your parents in the Lord or honor your parents. This doesn't mean only if your parents are Christians. No, it means obey your parents. Obey your parents. Honor your parents. He, what he does to support this is he pulls from the Ten Commandments. Exodus twenty twelve and Deuteronomy five sixteen. Honor your father and mother that, in other words, so that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Deuteronomy 5, honor your father and mother as the Lord your God commanded you. He's referring back to Exodus. That or in order that or so that your days may be long and that it may go well with you in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. In other words, in Old Testament times, the Lord is saying, there's a lot of other pieces of this we can't deal with this morning, but the Lord is saying, I'm leading, your, I'm leading you into a land and there are lots of great promises ahead. And I want you to enjoy the benefit of, of, of walking with me and obedience. And I want you to enjoy long life. I want you to enjoy the victory that I'm going to bring for you. In order for that to happen, for you to enjoy that, obey your parents. Honor your mom and dad. Ephesians in six, chapter 6, verse 1, he says, Honor your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Or Colossians 1.20, we read earlier, for this pleases the Lord. Kids, listen, you need to be filled with the spirit, which means you need to surrender to Jesus as your savior. In other words, sometimes we think about uh, talking to people about what they're supposed to do and what they're not supposed to do. And that's okay. But sometimes the conversation goes like this. Hey, kids, listen, I want you to understand what you're supposed to do, but you're going to find that you wrestle with it. You battle with it all the time. Why can't I just obey with the right heart all the time? Well, because, because you are still wrestling with sin. If I drew a picture of your heart like this, and we drew a throne on, on the top of the heart, you are sitting on the throne of your heart. And in order to obey your parents in the right way with the right motive, which is to, be, to, to, to sort of like point to God, give glory to God, in everything. You need to sort of like give yourself a kick in the pants off the throne of your heart and say, I want Jesus to sit on the throne of my heart. And so you say something like, God, I can't do this on my own. And so I raise my white flag and I surrender to you. I surrender. Be the Lord of my life. I know that I've sinned. I know that I sin all the time. And I want you to sit on the throne of my heart. And I know that's possible because Jesus came so that in every time when I'm not able to obey, Jesus obeyed perfectly. And so when I raise this white flag of surrender... And I become your child. I'm not just mom and dad's child now. I'm your child. 
Now I'm able to obey. Because what Jesus did gives me power to obey. Right? Hey kids, listen up here. Look up here. You guys ever put on some sort of a costume for Halloween or some other kind of a time, which is basically just every day as a kid, you put on a costume sometimes, right? And I remember when my kids were a little bit younger, they'd put on these costumes and they would go outside in the backyard and they would be playing like they're not Braden and Skylar anymore. They are clearly in their world, whatever's going on outside, that's who they were, right? And so they're, you know, they're swinging at each other and kicking at each other and they're doing things on the trampoline that they might not otherwise have confidence to do. But once they zip up that suit, once they zip up that suit, it's like, oh man, get out of the way. Why? Because now, in a sense, they, f- they feel like they've become someone else. Well, what happens with Christians is when we surrender, when we w- raise the white flag and we surrender to the Lord, it's like the Holy Spirit unzips us, steps in us, zips us up, and then he animates us. Now you are able to do all kinds of things that you were never able to do before because the Holy Spirit lives in you and he, he, he works in you and he gives you new desires, new want-tos, new abilities. That you didn't have before. John tells us, well, Jesus talking to his disciples in John 16 talks about the Holy Spirit. He says, and when the Holy Spirit comes, he will convict the world regarding sin, righteousness and judgment concerning sin because they do not believe in me. Do you believe in who Jesus is? Now, in, in, in the way the Bible talks, when you believe who Jesus is, it changes your life. Because demons also believe who Jesus is. And they're scared to death because they know they've lost. But, but when a human, when a person believes who Jesus is, they trust him and their life changes. So he will come, the Holy Spirit, con- concerning sin, because they don't believe in me, concerning righteousness, that means... What we read earlier this morning, what is right? Obey your parents in the Lord, for it is right. And the Holy Spirit will convict us of what is right. Verse 11, concerning judgment, because the ruler of the world is judged. Right? You know, whenever you are playing sports, you're playing some kind of a game outside and you're picking teams, everybody kind of eyes the, the guy or girl on the, on the field that thinks they're going to help them win the most. You know what I'm talking about? And, and if, they're, uh, if, they're, if you're a captain and you're picking someone, you want them on your team, right? Or if you're in the pool of people that's going to be selected and there's two people that are picking and one is like, eh, not so good, right? That would have been me when I was a kid. And then some, some other kind of sports athlete star was over on this side and you're just like, oh, please pick me, please pick me, please pick me, please pick me. You sort of like etch over on this side, right? This person's on this side, and you're kind of like looking at him like, hey, hey, put me on your team, right? You kind of do it, right? That kind of thing. Yeah. The Holy Spirit comes to say, you need to know who's going to win. And his name is Jesus. And you need to get on his team. Now, part of this is like, way above how this all happens and we don't understand with our minds and our hearts, but God speaks to us to say, choose what's right. You have the ability to make decisions, to make choices. We all made decisions today. Am I going to go to church or am I not? You made a decision. You've got the opportunity today to believe who God is and to decide, I'm going to get on his team today. 
if you haven't already. Tomorrow morning when you get up and you've got responsibilities and chores to do, you've got the opportunity to say, today I'm going to play for God's team. I'm going to walk with the Lord today. When we think about salvation, there's like three parts. I'm going to use the word recipe. Don't like that word. I'm just going to use it because three aspects to salvation. You might think of a re- I don't. I typically stay away from, you've heard me say this last few weeks, I typically stay away from things that are formulaic or things that are like recipes or just do these three things. But there are three kinds of, or three aspects to every person's salvation. The first is this. You've got to see and understand. I mean, it works with your, with your brain, right? You've got to see and you've got to understand and believe that you're guilty before God. I wrote, I, I will, I have, I've heard the gospel more times in my life than I can tell you. But I remember a time when I was a seven-year-old in Mrs. Rosa's Sunday school class. My mom and dad read the Bible to me. They shared the gospel with me. But when I was in Mrs. Rosa's Sunday school class, she is with the Lord today with many children who are walking with Jesus because of her ministry in my class in Rapid City, South Dakota. And I had heard the gospel many times. But that day, my heart would like to have broken open because I knew that I was a liar. I was, I was a curious kid, which means I got into all kinds of trouble. And then if you get into trouble, you either have to fix things or lie or be honest. And I chose the route of lying a lot. And I knew I was a liar and I needed a savior. And I knew that Jesus lived perfectly and died for me. And I knew that every sinner who believes, again, believing in such a way that it changes your life, receives a full pardon. That means God says, I'm not going to pay you back for any sin that you've ever committed because I have paid it all on Jesus, every bit of it on Jesus. So I I knew that was true. I believed it that morning. And I was convicted in my heart. And I said, I am going to trust Jesus. I don't know how much of it was just a decision I made versus I was compelled to trust Jesus. That's this conviction. I started to love Jesus. And then we make decisions according to that. We call it volition for the adults in here. Otherwise, it's just making decisions that are in keeping with that. And at that moment, I became a Christian and the Holy Spirit lived in me, became to live in me. Remember I said the Holy Spirit unzips you, steps into you and zips you back up and then animates you, takes charge of your life. The Apostle Paul said it like this. I've been crucified with Christ. And it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and who gave his life for me. Obey your parents in the Lord. You need to be in the Lord. Or you need the Lord to be in you. For this is right. It's good. When God, when God created everything, day one, He created everything and He said, 
oh, this is good. Day two, this is good. Day three, this is good. Day four, this is good. Day five, this is good. Day six, this is good. In fact, this is very good. And on the seventh day, he rested. God created and said, it's good. It's right. Kids, listen. Your parents want you to do something that that you don't want to do. You know what? Welcome to earth. Train your heart to obey your parents, even if or especially when you don't agree. Because here's what happens. You might not think it's worth obeying your parents, but God does. You want to have a life that's generally prosperous? And I don't mean that you have lots of money. I just mean that's generally good and filled with God's blessing. Learn to obey your parents. Why? Well, because it will protect you from a lot of the pitfalls in this world if you learn to obey your parents. But more importantly than protecting you from all the pitfalls, it begins to train your heart to say, I love obeying the Lord. You imagine? You imagine when Abram, or when uh, Isaac was walking with Abram, with his dad, and they're walking and they're going to the offering. Remember the Lord had said, Abram, I want you to go and I want you to sacrifice your son, your only son. And, the, and, and Isaac's walking with him and he says, Dad, I, I see everything else we're supposed to have, but where's the offering? Imagine like a big gulp right there. And he said, well, the Lord will provide the offering. He trusted his dad. He walked with his dad. Climbed up on the altar. Like I can't tell you this true biblical story, but I can't even imagine this. Climbed up on the altar. Bible tells us that as Abram had his hand up, ready to slay his son, because Abram believed that God would raise him from the dead, Hebrews tells us. Isaac lay there, obeyed his parents. Now, because this isn't a specific command from God, if something like that ever happens to you, feel free to roll off and run and get somebody to help you. Because <laughs> that was a specific biblical command for a particular moment in time. Let's just be clear. But in that moment, there's an aspect where a child trusts his father because he knows his father trusts his heavenly father. Parents, you're hearing this too. Parents, don't teach your children to trust you because you're you. Teach your children to trust you because you're trusting the Lord. Son, daughter, we are going to trust God as a family. And I'm going to blow it sometimes. I am. In fact, when people come to Oak Grove and they're starting to get plugged in at the church and we have these conversations, you know, 
we talk about the importance of biblical community, one of the things that, that I or some of the other elders will say along the way is, listen, you've got to be plugged into community, and we want you to, to trust and follow the leadership of the church, but I will tell you, we're going to blow it. We're going to offend you. We're going to hurt you. It's not our plan. Like, we don't have part of our weekly agenda to say, okay, who should I hurt this week? No. But I'm an imperfect pastor. I'm an imperfect elder. The elders are imperfect elders or lay pastors. We hurt people. So what do you say? I'll follow them as they follow the Lord. And that's what Paul said. Follow me as I follow Christ. And so kids learn to look to your parents and say, I will follow them as they follow Christ. Now, if you don't agree with their decision and you think it's not the right decision, you still honor the Lord by honoring and obeying your parents. It's an attitude of of respect that flows from watching their life as they follow Christ. But listen to this. It's also an aspect of respect for authority that God has put in place over you. Every one of us needs to learn to follow authority. Every one of us, unless you're put in a place of physical danger, unless you're in a place where someone is telling you very directly, disobey what you see in the Bible. Those are the instances for when it's okay to disobey authority. We have another series of sermons on that, but generally speaking. Why did I disobey my dad that day? Well, the Bible gives us a category for it. It's called pride of life. In 1 John, John says the, 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 the love of the flesh, the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. None of these things are from God. They're from the world. You also see it in Genesis 3.6. When Eve saw that she wanted the fruit, it looked good to her. It looked delicious to her. And she thought it would give her more wisdom that God had decided to give her at that moment. Lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, pride of life. I was proud. I was arrogant. I was foolish. And I disobeyed my dad because of my pride. And later that night, as a kid crying, in kind of like an uncontrollable way. I was pretty embarrassed about this, but that didn't really matter. I apologized to my dad, and my heart was broken that I had disobeyed God and that I disobeyed my dad. I mean, I was sobbing. Now, every time I disobeyed and repented, I wasn't always sobbing. But that day, God taught me something about having a heart that's broken. When I sin, it's okay. No big deal. Kids, when you disobey your parents, ask God to make you sad in your heart that you're disobeying because you know it displeases Him. Adults, when you disobey the Lord, 
ask God to make you sad in your heart. To give you a, a contrite heart. A heart that's broken over sin. Now there's, there's a challenge in this as we wrap up. There's a challenge. That day, before I ever pulled the trigger on that little BB gun, which back in the 80s, they were like nothing compared to everything that you guys have now. I had already missed the mark. Before I pulled the trigger and that BB shot out of the end of that barrel and I actually missed the mark, I had already missed the mark. And something happens in your heart, in your mind, and in your decisions that causes you to squeeze that trigger. The mark was missed before I ever squeezed the trigger. And the more you miss the mark, before you ever actually commit the action, you suppress the spirit. You suppress the spirit. And you begin to, step by step, walk so far away from the Lord that you don't hear His voice any longer. And so now, you can do the religious things. You don't feel conviction for it. You do the religious rhythm, the motions of Christianity, but your heart's not connected to the Lord in desiring to obey Him in everything. You're not walking in the Spirit. Well, Pastor Matt, are you saying that I'm not saved? I don't know. It's a good question for you to take to the Lord. Don't follow it up with, well, if I do a bunch of things, I'll prove to myself that I'm saved. No, 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 no. Lord, where am I at with you? Search me, O God, the psalmist says, and know my heart. Test me and know my thoughts. See if there's any wicked way in me and lead me in the way that's everlasting. Lead me in what's true. It'd be better for you to, to, to have come to church for 20 years or 40 years or five years. Bury your pride and say, I am not saved. I don't see any evidence of fruit in my life. I'm not interested in reading the Bible. I'm not interested in biblical fellowship. I'm not interested in talking with the Lord. I'm not interested in growing as a mature follower of Christ. I need to repent and I need to trust the Lord. It would be better for you to put your pride aside. Trust the Lord for your salvation today. And then experience in your last five years, 50 years, 70 years, the joy of walking with Christ. Parents, we say this to our kids often, something like this. Listen, I know, I know we are where we are. I know we've been button heads. I know things haven't been working well in our relationship. But here's what I want you to know. There is nothing that you can do in this world that will make me stop loving you. But until you learn to obey, we are going to battle. 
we're going to battle. And I'm going to battle for your soul. But know that you don't have to perform to make me love you. I already love you. And I'll never stop. And the Lord may be saying to you today, whether you're a child, teenager, or an adult, son, daughter, or one whom I've created, I made you and I love you. But we're going to do battle until you learn to surrender and obey me. Obey today and experience the richness of walking with the Lord. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Why? Because it's right. It's good. And it's where God's blessings come.